3: Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life, Like It Matters. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about being aware. We're going to talk about sensory acuity. We're going to talk about discernment. matter of fact, today I'm going to suggest that you've got mice. You know, a lot of people aren't aware of what's going on right in front of them. You know, my, uh, my wife, she belongs to this Discord group, and uh, she kind of, during the pandemic, she connected with a lot of people that uh, like to play uh, Nintendo Switch. Uh, we're gamers, so we got an Xbox One, I got a Switch. Uh, my little boy, if I'm not using my phone, then he's on it playing little games. We're gamers. So we like to play games. I am just turned 57 uh, two days ago, and uh, I'm a big kid. And so Val was uh, on this little chat with her little gamers all over the country. And she had her and this friend of her were talking. And uh, all of a sudden, one of the other girls comes in, like, just besides herself, all this this other woman. And she says, oh, my gosh. And she's freaking out. And uh, everybody goes, what, what, what? She goes, oh, my God, I'm sitting here. And my, uh, my cat just came in. And he ripped off the head of a mouse. And there's blood in it and he's chewing on the head. She's like freaking out. She's like, oh, my gosh, this is disgusting. And so I don't know if it was the next night or the next day, but it was a few hours later. Uh, they're sitting there on the chat again. Uh, and again, the same woman comes in, oh, my gosh. And she screams like, oh, my gosh, my cat's eating a mouse. I mean, it's a rip- eating alive. I'm ripping its head off right in front of me. She goes, ah. She goes, I don't know what's going on. What the heck is going on? And with that, the lady who was talking to my wife, Val, simply said, you've got mice. Now, I know that sounds pretty simple, but this other person was so freaked out, was so not aware, was so just complaining, was so just wanting to be hysterical. That she couldn't figure out what is going on. I mean, I've had these cats for two years. She got them during the pandemic. Uh, And here I am in a very short period of time. I mean, I'm seeing this animal eat another animal. Now, she lives in Minneapolis. And in Minneapolis, they have something that we don't have a lot of in in Texas, although we do have some of them. Uh, They have a lot of, um, you know, apartment complexes that are just high-rises. So people live in these apartment complexes. To me, where I'm from is like an office building. You have no yard, you have no back, you have nothing, and yet you have pets who basically are indoor animals. And so unlike my cats who get to go outside and get to go down the street and get to go out in the, in the fields, uh, they find mass, uh, mice and they find possums and they find moles. Uh, And they find all kinds of varmint, and they kind of bring them home and want to give them a gift as me. And so I know my cats are out in the field hunting, because that's what cats do. And they found something moving, and they bring it home to show me what a great hunter they are. But here, she lives in the city. She lives in an office building, basically. That's how I see it. With no yard space, with no open space, with your walls connected to another neighbor where you can hear what they do and they can hear what you do. uh, And there's no outside influence unless you can walk out on your balcony. And so you can make up all kinds of things what's going on. But what was going on is pretty clear. She's got mice. And today, that's what I want to talk about. Today, I want to talk about discernment. You know, we need to logically be able to know the situation, the circumstances, the environments we're in. And as a we are of these factors, the more power, control, and impact we can have. Becoming aware of being unaware is the beginning of the learning process. And so today, we want to discuss You've Got Mice. You know, as a leader, we need to make decisions. And if you think about it, character uh, is basically a series of choices we make over a lifetime. And your character is how those choices play out. And you, you get a track record, if you will. You get a, 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 um, a standard of activity. You get repeated behaviors and patterns. And based on those repeated behaviors and patterns, we say this person is a liar. This person is trustworthy. This person has some issues. This person is a leader. This person is going places. This people. This person uh, is an accident waiting to happen. This person uh, is trouble with a big T. What do you think we're talking about? We're talking about discernment. And you know that word interesting, discernment, because as a Christian, it is the favorite thing that non-Christians or fake Christians like to use against uh, God's real children, because they say, well, well, the Bible says, do not judge, right? Now, again, you got to go back to the original language. You know, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, uh, the language of the Bible, uh, much more descriptive languages than English. English is a much more limited English. And since the language of the day when the Bible was written, the Old Testament was uh, a little bit Assyriac, but mostly Hebrew, and there's an older form of Hebrew, like something like, uh, I think it was Isaiah, or some other chapters, or some other books were written a chapter or two in the older form of Hebrew. It was written in Hebrew, in the New Testament, the language of the day was Greek. Like today, or maybe 20 years ago, uh, if a brand new Bible was going to be written, the language of the day, basically, to do business in, uh, at least up until recently, uh, and still currently, is English. But back in the day, it was Greek. And so when the Bible says, and in, in I think it's Matthew 7, do not judge, what God's talking about is you do not know who God's children are. So you do not get to decide who is a child of God and who is not a child of God. God chose some. God didn't choose others. God knows who are his kids, and God will never lose one. The book tells us very clearly. Go to Romans 8. The very end of Romans 8 will tell you. No one's going to take God out of his hands, uh, going to take anybody out of God's hands. And so when it says do not judge, what God's talking about is you do not know who are God's children. So you have no right to judge who is a follower of God and who is not, because even the thief on the cross did nothing for God. And since the beginning of time, God knew that he was going to meet him on the cross. And even though he had nothing to do with God before he got on the cross, his revelation and his confession that Jesus Christ was God was all it took for him to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that's the judgment. But please know, we are called to have discernment. As a leader, let me tell you what discernment is. Discernment is the quality of being able to grasp, to comprehend what is obscure. A skill in discerning. In a Christian context, it's perception in the absence of judgment. See that? Perceptions in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding not to decide who's God's and who's not. In other words, sensory acuity. See, sensory acuity, remember we have five senses, and the only way anything gets into our experience is through those senses. However, we are unconscious creatures. Uh, The beginning level of state of learning is something called unconscious incompetence, where you don't know what you don't know. And then the highest level of learning is unconscious competence, where you don't know what you do know. So we only use 3 to 5% of our brains consciously. And so we're going through this life really unconscious, without good sensory acuity. And so sensory acuity means how good your senses are at doing what they should do. In the context of NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, it refers to the ability to use our senses to make accurate observations about ourselves, about our patterns, and about other people. In NLP, sensory acuity enables the practitioner to stop mind reading and to start having more accuracy in calibrating. That means determining by criteria, not guessing, what the body language facial muscles tone of voices is telling them and see that's what a leader has to have a leader has to be aware of what's going on around them and a leader needs to understand first and foremost that most people are totally unaware of what's going on right around them and so to have a leg up a leader must become aware of being unaware a leader must have discernment a neat leader must heighten their senses and build to a state called sensory acuity So today on Like It Matters Radio, I'm going to suggest You've Got Mice. We'll be back after these messages. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned
4: pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net.
0: Sightseeing in Paris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading
5: through the stories at Daybreak Insider. It's a look at today's most compelling stories and provides responses from key conservatives in media and politics. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. Thousands of young people are dying from counterfeit prescription drugs laced with lethal doses of fentanyl. Just one counterfeit pill
4: laced with fentanyl can kill. Visit onepillkilled.org to learn more.
3: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio, living life like it matters. I am Mr. Black, and get ready to head out to Las Vegas. Uh, We do uh, our class on Thursday uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, Leadership Awakening. I think we're at 10 uh, students, 3 staff, so we'll have 13 people uh, in that classroom. Still got openings if you want to change your life. Over 48 hours, I guarantee you you will learn more about yourself in 48 hours. I guarantee you can clean yourself at a place uh, that most people can't get to in 70 years in 48 hours. Go to likeitmatters.net, and you'll see how I can help you change your thinking and change your world. Uh, After that, we'll be in Dallas-Fort Worth November 10th through 12th, and then our final class of the year, December 1 through 3 in beautiful Twin Cities. Looking forward to some snow time, up in Minneapolis uh, that first week in December. So go to likeitmatters.net dot net and uh, have the courage uh, to become the best version of yourself. Have the courage to be the best possible you, because that's what you were created to do. And today we're talking about discernment. We need to logically be able to know the situations, circumstances, the environments we're in. And as a leader, the more aware we are of these factors, the more power, control, and impact. That we can have. Remember, uh, the law of requisite variety says an element in a system with the most flexibility has the most power and the most control. You are called to be that element, and in order to do that, we got to become aware of being unaware. This is the beginning of the learning process, and so today we want to talk about you've got mice. You know the ability to be able to take information and make decisions. Matter of fact, Leo Tolstoy, and this was from the Gospel in Tolstoy, uh, translated by Luis and Alamir and Maud. Uh, it once occurred to a certain king that if he always knew the right time to begin everything, and if he knew who were the right people to listen to, and if he knew whom to avoid, and above all, if he always knew what was the most important thing to do, he would never fail in anything he might undertake. So he wanted to know the answers to these three questions. What is the right time? Who is the right person? And what is the right thing to do? And this thought having occurred to him, he had it proclaimed throughout his kingdom that he would give a great reward to anyone who would teach him those three things. What was the right time for every action? Who were the right, most necessary people? And how he, how he might know what was the most important thing to do. And so many learned men came to the king from all parts of the kingdom, but they all answered his questions differently. In reply to the first question, some said that to know the right time for every action, one must draw up in advance a table of days, months, years, and must live strictly according to it. Only thus, said they, could everything be done at its proper time. Others declared that it was impossible to decide beforehand the right time for every action, but that not letting oneself be absorbed in idle pastimes One should always attend to all that was going on, and then, and then do what was most needful. Others again said that however attentive the king might be to what was going on, it was impossible for one man to decide correctly the right time for every action, but that he should have a council of wise men who would help him to fix the proper time for everything. But then again others said there were some things which could not wait to be laid before a council but about which one had at once to decide whether to undertake them or not. But in order to decide that, one must know beforehand what was going to happen. It is only magicians who know that, and therefore, right, logically, in order to know the right time for every action, one must consult magicians. Sounds like today's America, right? Equally various were the answers to the second question. Some said the king, that the people the king most needed were his counselors. Others... Uh, the priests, others, the, the doctors, while some said the warriors were the most necessary. And to the third question as to what was the most important thing to do, some replied that the most important thing in the world has science. Others said it was skill and warfare, and others, again, that it was religious worship. All the answers being different, the king agreed with none of them and gave the reward to no one. However, still wishing to find the right answers to his questions, he decided to consult a hermit who was widely renowned for his wisdom, but he had to find this hermit. Now it is said that the hermit lived in a wood, which he never quitted, and he received none but common folk. So the king had to put on a disguise. So he put on some simple clothes, and before reaching the hermit's cell, dismounted from his horse, leaving his bodyguard behind, he went alone so he would be perceived as a common person. When the king approached, the hermit was digging the ground in front of his hut. Seeing the king, he greeted him and went on digging. The hermit was frail and weak, and each time he stuck his spade into the ground and turned a little earth, he breathed heavily. The king went up to him and said, I have come to you, wise hermit, to ask you to answer three questions. How can I learn to do the right thing at the right time? Who are the people I most need, and to whom should I? therefore pay more attention to than to the rest. "'And what affairs are the most important "'and need my first and most attention?' "'The hermit listened to the king, but said nothing. "'He just spat on his hand and recommenced his digging. "'You are tired,' said the king. "'Let me take the spade and work a while for you.' "'Thanks,' said the hermit. "'And giving the spade to the king, he sat down on the ground.' When he dug two beds, the king stopped and repeated his questions. The hermit again gave no answer, but rose, stretched his hand out for the spade, and said, Now rest a while, and let me work a bit. But the king did not give him the spade and continued to dig. One hour passed, and a second hour passed, and another hour passed. The sun began to sink behind the trees, and the king at last stuck the spade in the ground and said, I came to you, wise men, for an answer to my questions. If you can give me none, tell me so, and I will leave and return home now. Here comes someone running, said the hermit. Let us see who it is. The king turned round and saw a bearded man come running out of the wood. The man held his hands pressed against his stomach, and blood was flowing from under them. When he reached the king, he fell fainting on the ground, moaning feebly. The king and the hermit unfastened the man's clothing. There was a large wound in his stomach. The king washed it as best as he could and bandaged it with his handkerchief and with the towel the hermit had, but the blood would not stop flowing. And the king again and again removed the bandages, soaked with warm blood and washed and rearranged the wound. When at last the blood ceased flowing, the man revived and asked him for something to drink. The king brought fresh water and gave it to him. Meanwhile, the sun had set and it had become cool. So the king, with the hermit's help, carried the wounded man in the hut. "'and laid him on the bed. "'Lying on the bed, the man closed his eyes and was quiet, "'but the king was so tired from his walk "'and from the work he had done "'that he crouched down on the threshold, "'and he too fell asleep. "'So soundly they slept all through the short summer night. "'When he woke in the morning, "'it was long before he could remember where he was "'or who was the strange bearded man "'laying on the bed next to him "'and gazing intently at him with shining eyes.' Forgive me, said the bearded man in a weak voice, when he saw the king was awake and was looking at him. I do not know you and have nothing to forgive you for, said the king. You do not know me, said the man, but I know you. I am the enemy of yours, who swore to revenge himself on you, because you executed my brother, seized his property. I knew he had gone alone to see the hermit, and I resolved to kill you on your way back. But the day passed and you did not return. So I came out from my ambush to find you and came upon your bodyguard. And they recognized me and wounded me. I escaped from them, but should have bled to death had you not dressed my wound. See, I wish to kill you. However, you have saved my life. Now, if I live, and if you wish it, I will serve you as your most faithful slave and will bid my sons to do the same. So please forgive me, King. The king was very glad to have made peace with his enemy so easily and to have gained him a friend. And he not only forgave him, but said he would send his servants and his own physician to attend him and promise to restore all his property. Having taken leave of the wounded man, the king went out into the porch and looked around for the hermit. Before going away, he wished once more to beg an answer to the question he had put. The hermit was outside on his knees, sowing seeds in the beds that had been dug the day before. The king approached him and said, For the last time, I pray you to answer my questions, wise man. And with that, the retort came back. You have already been answered, said the hermit, still crouching on his thin legs and looking at the king who stood before him in disbelief. What do you mean? How answered? asked the king. "Do you not res- Do you not see? replied the hermit. See, if you have not pitied my weakness yesterday and that had not dug these beds for me, but had gone your way, that man would have attacked you and you would have repented of not having stayed with me. So the most important time was when you were digging the beds and I was the most important man and to do me good was your most important business. Afterwards, when the man ran to us, the most important time was when you were attending to him. For if you had not bound up his wounds, he would have died without having made peace with you. So he was the most important man, and what you did for him was your most important business. Remember then, there is only one time that is important, and that is now. It is the most important time because it is the only one we have any power in. The most necessary person is the one with whom you are for no man knows whether he will ever have dealings with anyone else and the most important affair is to do that person good because for that person alone was man sent into this life ladies and gentlemen it's a powerful story see we all have a timeline yesterday's history tomorrow's a mystery today is the present so we must treat it like the gift that it is. There's a space between the stimulus and the response. And in that space is our power and our freedom. And when we're fully present in the now moment, when we have sensory acuity, when we are aware of being unaware, we are fully equipped to do the right thing for the right person at the right time. Today on Like It Matters Radio, I'm suggesting you got mice. We'll be right back.
5: A listen to these words about like it matters leadership awakening from a recent attendee.
4: Leadership awakening is like nothing else. It's
1: incomparable to any other training that I've been through. And that's executive, professional communication training to to how to hold a fork. It, the The leadership awakening is a deep mental
4: experience where I was forced to challenge
2: Some of your favorite pastors and authors are bringing you their most popular devotionals free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend focused time in God's Word. Sign up for daily devotionals from Crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox with devotionals for parenting, singles, women, and more. Crosswalk.com provides spiritual growth for every stage of life. Crosswalk.com is a division of Salem Media Group.
0: Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. It's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. The new Salem News Channel. The greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. Home to the people you trust. Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Refreshingly, honest, always unfiltered. Streaming free on your TV 24-7. Intelligent analysis for intelligent people. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. That's snc.tv.
2: Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life.
3: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black, and we are back. Why do you get up each day, do what you do, go home at night, get up the next day, and do it again and again again? And again, and again. What's your purpose? Is your purpose to be happy? Now, if you're a child of God, I'm telling you right now, um, at no point uh, should one of your uh, outcomes for life be to be happy. It's a great benefit. It's a great plus. Uh, it's not scriptural. Uh, Jesus was not known as the man of happiness, the man of guffaw, the jokester from um, uh, Nazareth. Was it him at all? No. Uh, Read Isaiah 53, and Jesus Christ was known as a man of sorrow, familiar with pain, familiar with grief. He's aware of it. What is your outcome? How do you know if you had a good day? How do you know if you have a bad day? How do you know what makes a good week a good week? What needs to take place this week so on Friday, as you look back at this week, you can say it was a great week? Or what needs to take place? Uh, What needs to take place this week that if it happened? this week would be a bad week. is important. Do you know the path that you're on? Do you know what your outcome is? Do you know why you're doing what you're doing? Otherwise, you're just on autopilot. And remember, there are four levels of learning. There's unconscious incompetence, where you don't know what you don't know, and that is the beginning of learning. Once you realize you don't know, that's bad news, then you seek the good news. A lot of you are afraid of the bad news. You're insecure. You just want to be happy. You have your whole purpose in life is to be happy. Happy is a momentary thing. Happy is a a mindset. Happy is what you feel after you smoked a big fat, you know what? Happy is what you feel after you had a six-pack. Happy is what you feel after you had five shots. Or happy is that at 2 o'clock in the morning when you make eye contact someone, you go home with someone you didn't come with. Maybe that makes you happy, but it's momentary. And that's not what you stand before God. It's appointed for God that we are to die one time, and then comes the judgment. And none of that stuff that I just mentioned is going to increase your standing as you're standing before God uh, to be judged. And so you got to figure out, one, one, who you are. you got to figure out why you're here. But you also need to understand your environment. See, and the environment we're in is so critical because it is the environment that dictates so much. Remember, I, I can take your fingerprints and give you a 37-page a printout of your brain. That's how you're made. And there are three, actually four fingerprint types. There so three basic fingerprint types and then what you'd call either composites or accidentals, a whole bunch of uh, other things, if you will. But I think two-thirds of all people have these things called loops. And one thing that's on loops, uh, quality of a loop fingerprint, is they're effective, uh, meaning that their environment has a large impact on them. Those of us have whirls, you know, those little targets, those little bullseyes, uh, we're going to be more dogmatic. We're more opinionated. Uh, once we, it might take a little slower to establish a belief system, but once a belief system's been established, we're not going to be swayed. But those with loops... Their environment dictates how they play. So if they're around religious people, spiritual people, people at church, uh, they're going to be talking like church folk. If they're around uh, at a bar uh, with some people who want nothing to do with God, you would never know that person's a believer in God because they'll be hooting and hollering swearing and uh, pinching butts and doing everything else that the world does. If this person is in an athletic environment, they're going to work out. They're going to diet. If this person's in a party environment, they're going to have fun. They're going to eat. They're going to drink. They're going to be merry. They are swayed by their environment. Remember epigenetics. Epigenetics. Uh, Doctor, uh, what is her name? Caroline Leaf. Uh, the the book by um, uh, Bruce Lipton, I believe it is. Uh, Doctor Lipton, uh, called Biology of Belief where the guy is a tenured professor at University of Wisconsin Medical Center, one of the best. He's a microbiologist. He's a Darwinist. I don't believe he's a believer in the God of the Bible. And he said in that book, bestseller from about 12 years ago, that we've always believed that the nucleus drove the cell. But he said, it's absolutely wrong. It's not the nucleus that drives the cell. He said, what drives the cell is the cell membrane, and then this powerful quote He said so technically we're nothing more than a community of three hundred trillion cells, all driven by our environment. Now that's a mic drop. Because what he just told you is what I'm saying is our environment dictates so much. And so you gotta be aware of your environment. And the problem I see today is not only are people not aware of their environment, but people can't handle their environment. You can't handle the truth. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Don't you understand what that discussion was? One guy was saying, listen, I want to know the real environment that we are in. That's what he's talking about, the truth. That's what the truth is, the real environment we are in. And then the report was, you can't handle being in the real environment you're in. Put your blinders back on. It's the matrix. People living in a false world. People pretending. And leaders, you got to be aware of this. So epigenetics. Epigenetics teaches us, and Dr. Caroline Leaf says that 87% of all diseases are psychosomatic. She says that we have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. And what we think about most often, what we tell ourselves most often is what we believe. We don't respond to the truth. We respond to what we believe the truth to be. This is why you have to have discernment. This is why you have to have sensory acuity. This is why I teach you all the things I teach you about perceptual positions. That there are only three ways to see any situation. Remember I talk about this. Look it up. Perceptual positions is part of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. There's first position called self. There's second position called other, and there's third position called overview. So there are not unlimited amount of ways to see anything. Keep it simple, soldier. There are three ways to see everything. You see it from your own eyes, your own map of reality, or you see it from another person's perspective, from another person's eyes, from another person's map of reality. We call that empathy, right, to walk a mile in someone else's moccasins. That's why I serve Jesus Christ. Because we have a compassionate high priest. We have a compassionate daysman, We have an arbiter that defends us. We have a defense attorney who knows our pain, who knows our struggles, who's walked in our shoes, who's dealt with the frailties of this existence called human. And see, Jesus Christ himself, not only was he God himself, first position, but he subjugated that to second position. See, he occupied this lower being called human. And he gave up his godly rights and experienced what it was like to be human. The frailties, the pitfalls, the foibles, the struggles. That's what empathy does. Empathy allows us to walk a mile in someone else's moccasins to get of our own map of reality and to step into theirs, to see things from their perspective. You don't need to agree with it. You don't even need to like it. You just need to understand it. And then there's third position. Third position is the ability to see things from an overview. We do this a lot in retrospect. You know, after a situation happened, usually it's a blow-up. Something happened we didn't want it to. I went in there for one thing. I, I watched the first 40 hours, you know, about people killing, and they do a lot of them in Dallas and Minneapolis. And so many times... So many times, at the very end of the story, an hour into it, you find out. You find out who really killed who, and you found out that that was not their intent. That they came there to talk. That they came there to find out what was going on. That they came there to amend things. That they came there to end things in a peaceful way. But now they're on the first 40 hours, meaning someone died. Someone was killed. So their intent was one thing. But because they were not prepared, because they did not have discernment, because they did not have sensory acuity, because they did not have emotional intelligence, because they did not begin with the end in mind, because dot, 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 their lives were forever altered. And a 16 year old kid, a 19 year old kid, a 32 year old single mother, now they're going to spend the rest of their life in prison. And ladies and gentlemen, this has happened all around us. The whole thing about epigenetics is that we can turn on and off our switches. See, there are switches on our mRNA, on our DNA. And we can switch, turn things off by our environmental stimuli, by our thoughts, by our health, by our environment. And so... What's going on right now, though, is where information is being withheld. As a leader, you need as much information as possible. So yesterday, I was watching this. So the Florida Surgeon General, a doctor, came out and showed that there has been so many deaths in young men, uh, 18 to 39. They're dying of coronary failure, healthy men, natural causes. And it's because of this mRNA that they put in this, this drug. It's not a vaccine. They call it a vaccine, but a drug. And so the Surgeon General of Florida puts out a warning that be careful that men 19 to 39 years old, unless there are high morbidity factors, should not, do not take the vaccine. And Twitter blocked them. And they said it was propaganda. The only propaganda is coming from Twitter. (laughs) It's stunning. You've got to make decisions. How about this one? Service members sound the alarm on a woke military. We're no longer military ready. We're so worried about pronouns. We're so worried there are so many homosexual rapes that you don't even hear about in the military because they can't talk about them because uh, homosexuality is the most uh, precious uh, protected thing outside of abortion. Ladies and gentlemen, we gotta wake up. You got mice. You need to be able to take a look at what's going on, the data that's presented, and then find out what is the problem. Because if you cannot identify the problem, you cannot access the solution. And if you cannot access the solution, then you're just great and crazy, nothing more than doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I'm Black. We'll be right back.
4: Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self development gurus, but I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net.
0: Salmon fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Catch up on the latest news and information affecting Minnesota's great outdoors with Outdoor News Radio on Freedom 1570. We talk hunting, fishing, and natural resources in the great state of Minnesota every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Joining me, Rob Jerislein, our guests like bow hunting expert, Tony Peterson, professional anglers like Tackle Terry Tuma and Tim Westmeister, and nature gurus like the bird chick, Sharon Saylor. Sundays at 8 a.m. on Freedom 1570. It's Outdoor News Radio. Join our fan club today and you could win our Regnery Book of the Month. Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections by Molly Hemingway. Register to win daily at freedom1570.com.
5: Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening.
2: For probably two-thirds of my
3: welcome back to like it matters radio radio like it matters inspiration education and application by the way got great news for you uh we just found out that our podcast and like it matters radio is now on amazon and also on audible.com isn't that great so uh now, uh, and I love Audible, I listen to so many books, uh, I love to travel, I'll be driving to Vegas tomorrow, two-day drive, and I'll start class Thursday night, uh, and then I'll uh, finish class up Saturday night, uh, and stay there through Sunday, and then Monday I'll drive to Sacramento, I'll do some on-site work for three days with Iron Mechanical in Sacramento, uh, and implementing a mission, vision, creating culture, uh, they've been going through our training and uh the Rissies, Terry Rissy and Jed Rissy just really love their team. They're building a great company there. Been around for 12 years, and we're helping them take the next level. And then from there, we'll go to Las Vegas, uh, and we'll work with um, uh, our window tinting company, EcoTint, uh, with Mike and Brian Rhodes, uh, and do what's called a pattern of success uh, presentation and uh, inspire our graduates out there. So we'll be on the road a couple of weeks, and so I'm looking forward to it looking forward to, to pressing flesh, looking forward to being around people. So uh, uh, this daily radio show is a way to encourage you. This daily radio show is a way to put you in the right state of mind for the right t- reason uh, at the right time so that uh, you basically can be the George Bernard Shaw you could have been. Remember, George Bernard Shaw was a famous writer, and near the end of his life, he was asked by a group of reporters a simple question, hey, George, if you could live your life all over again, Anybody you wanted to be, any political leader, any news person, uh, any religious leader, living your life all over again. But this time, you got to pick who you would be. He thought about it for a second. Who would you be? And George thought about it. He pondered it. and He said, you know what? If I could live my life all over again and I could be anybody I wanted to be, I would be the George Bernard Shaw that I could have been. And what he was talking about was without all the fear, without all the doubt, without all the limiting belief systems, Without carrying his chains of pain from his past into other people's future. And ladies, we gotta be able, gentlemen, we gotta be able to make decisions. And leaders see the big picture. Here's a perfect example. Nissan pulls out of Russia. Do you see that? They pulled out of Russia. They turned all their plants over. They sold them to the Russians and they pulled out. Isn't that fascinating? Now do you know what they sold it for? Ready? One euro. Nissan pulls out of Russia, sells all assets to the state for one euro, a dollar. So Nissan will lose $687 million in the deal, forfe- forfeiting its plant in St. Petersburg. Nissan is only the latest major company to flee Russia following Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine in February. The deal costs Nissan roughly 7 100 million dollars, but you ready for this? But the company believes it will not affect the earnings forecast for the fiscal year. Isn't that fascinating? See, Nissan could see the writing on the wall. Nissan knew what was going on. They see, have a business model, and what they realize is it ain't working. And so they had to make a decision based on their their creed, based on their mission. And that was like, okay, we're done. See, being able to make decisions, this is why what's going on in the military is extremely disturbing. Because you got people. I was in the military. And when you sign up, you, 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 the military becomes your mother and your father. Uh, they become everything to you. Everything. And military is facing a recruiting crisis. And there's a lot of reasons why. They were, this, this thing was forced upon them. Nobody wants to get this injection when they know it's killing you. I mean, look up SADS, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. Used to be SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. But now it's changed because now healthy young people, 24 years old athletes, are dying from natural causes. And so here's an article about what's going on in the military. Because when people complain about the military, they get fired. They get penalized. Look it up. Google how many homosexual rapes are in the military. No one's talking about it. I would not join the military. I love my military. I've been in the military. It is not our same military, and we are in big trouble. Here's an article. Quote, this is from a a military person, but they're afraid to say anything because they will get harassed by Biden and all his leadership team. Quote, I 100% believe the military is woke. I see daily minorities overweight people and women not adhering to military standards. Nobody corrects them due to the fear of being fired or labeled a racist or sexist. I do think we do have a wide range of soldiers in our army, and we've got to make them all feel included. And that's why a lot of our diversity, equity, inclusion programs are important. This is what the Secretary of Defense said. Another service member reported to the military's COVID-19 policies, noting the vaccine mandate has forced many members in good standing into difficult situations. Quote, most of us who served did so because we came from military families. Patriotism and American values are no longer appreciated or expected, one service member said. Troops themselves are largely treated as expendable. They don't even pretend otherwise. Spending 15 plus years in the military during wartime with multiple deployments, making their lives only to be tossed out like garbage. Losing the retirement they have worked, years to earn because they didn't want to take an experimental vaccine for illness that was mild for fit and healthy people. As a matter of fact, the boot, the military is facing recruiting crisis with the army failing to meet its recruiting goals in '22, and the Marines, Air Force and Navy all dipping well uh, deep into the pools of delayed entry program candidates to scratch by this year, putting them well behind. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in big trouble. L.A. County Sheriff says vaccine mandates are creating a mass exodus of officers. You can't even find people who will join the military now. See, we need to have discernment. Discernment is the ability, quality, ability of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. Skill in discerning. In Christian context perception, it's the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. So, sensory acuity. You, have, you can see things, you can hear things, you can feel things, but you got to be fully present in the now moment. Remember, we have a past, present, a future. And most people are so wrapped up in the past that they have no future. This is what the world wants to do. This is what the deep state is doing. They want you to focus on your past. Right now, you're supposed to be offended by everything if you're not a white person. White people are the problem for everything. And if you're a white male and if you're a Christian white male, you are the devil. You are the enemy. You are a threat to the state. The same people that created this country are now the biggest threat to his existence. That's what our president thinks. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a president that's turning half the country against the other half, calling us a threat. Uh, the Democrats don't believe we have the right to vote if you're not a Democrat. Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party because of a bunch of ruling elites propagandists, Marxists, elitists that want to tell you what to do. So we gotta, we got to realize what's going on today, why there's so much depression, why there's so much struggle, why there's not a lot of hope. Ladies and gentlemen, people are struggling. I see it every day. People don't know why they're here. They've lost their passion. They're not sure what America stands for anymore. They're not sure if they're a man or a woman. They're not sure what words to say. They're not sure if it's okay to put your hair up in a ponytail or not. They're not sure if it's okay to put a do-rag on or not. Uh, they're not sure if it's okay to say anything to anybody about anything that's not, right? How's it working? This is why we got to be able to understand the environment we're in. As a leader, we've got to look at the perceptual positions. We've got to have understanding. We've got to be aware of what's going on around us. We've got to be aware of the people in front of us. This is the key. This is why you got to be fully present in the now moment. This is why I teach people how to focus because most people are missing so many things. There's evidence right in front of you. Remember, we started this process uh, an hour ago talking about a friend of my my wife who has another friend. And they were talking about just life. And then their friend came in and said, hey, my cat is killing a mouse in front of me. How gross. And then a few hours later, another conversation going on. And the same woman pipes in and says, oh, my gosh, my cat's killing another mouse right in front of me. What the heck is going on? And with clarity, with clarity, her friend said, you've got mice. Ladies and gentlemen, keep it simple, soldier. It's not that complicated. But do you have the courage to stand up and say the right thing and do the right thing? Or are you so worried about what everybody else thinks about you? See, this is why the biggest problem is existential. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know why you're here. You've got to know whose you are. you got to know what your outcome is. What's going to make today a good day? What's going to make this week a good week? What's going to make this month a good month? What's going to make this year a good year? What needs to happen for this to be a bad day? A bad week. A bad month? A bad year? What are you willing to stand for? What are you willing to sit down for? What are you willing to live for? What are you willing to die for? Who are you? Why are you here? These are existential questions. Question yourself, leaders. If you need some help, go to likeitmatters.net. I'm here to help. You're under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does.
1: This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.